looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It is Sunday, February 12th. Thanks for your company. Over the next hour, we're going to dissect all of the, the big racing Talking points from yesterday. It was a great day of racing. Not without drama, though, because the first Group 1 of the year, the result was decided in the stewards room. The CF4 stakes was won by Gentleman Roy past the post. But uh, Damien Lane, who rode Jackano, thought there was sufficient interference to lodge an objection. He rode Jackano, and it was decided in Jackano's favour. And Ben Norris, you think it should have been dismissed? Oh, look, oh, I don't think it was. It's <laughs> great. Thanks for throwing me under the bus. Right, off, right at the Double start. Double decker. Uh, no, look, I think it, just given the margin, I thought it would probably be dismissed. I, I'm not outraged it was upheld, though, and I, I didn't have a bet in the race. So, uh, look, I, I thought it was a 60-40 dismiss, personally, but I can I can understand it being upheld. We'll have a talk to Mick Price about it later. I thought it was a really interesting and dramatic day yesterday. We had falls, of course, in mm. two states. Tom Marquand hit the deck. In Sydney, we had Michael Carl and Lani Allen transported to hospital in Brisbane. Uh, cross fingers there, all okay, which it looks like they have all escaped serious injury, although there's broken bones and, and other things. Uh, as you mentioned, the Group 1 in Melbourne. And I thought it was finally the day where we saw some two-year-olds uh, really stand up. We've been wondering where all these good two-year-olds are. We saw Skirt, Skirt Law win the Magic Minions, but we saw Barber announce himself Exploring was good as well. Cafe Millennium, wow, we in the first race in Sydney and, of course, learning to fly uh, in the English Millennium. So it was a, a good day, I think, looking forward for the two-year-olds. I think you've been reading my notes because that was a point I thought was really uh, important to make at the, at the get-go, those two two-year-olds, particularly. I'm a bit more of the Sydney way than the Melbourne way with no no knock on Barber or, or Exploring, but, but Cafe Millennium and learned to fly, learning to fly, what they did was highly impressive and we'll talk about that a little later when we look at Royal Ramwick, we'll look back at Dooman yesterday as well. Big day for the Queensland Rogues, that micro syndication. Hell of a party. They've got a nice horse there. And, of course, the big goodbye, another uh, win for him later in the day. So that's all coming up. And we're going to concentrate on Sandown first. They raced on the hillside. And let's go to the oar stakes. Uh, I'm Thunderstruck. Jack and O's stablemate was the best back runner. Gentleman Roy from Tuvalu back on the inside, then Western Empire back behind them. Jack and O, who's still two off the lead. Nugget on the outside. I'm Thunderstruck is four off the lead and coming on. Gentleman Roy at the 250 from Nugget. I'm Thunderstruck. Jack and O is also lifting. Jack and O in the middle. Nugget. I'm Thunderstruck coming at Gentleman Roy. Four across the track. Roy's lifting. Gentleman Roy and Jack and O. Gentleman Roy. Gentleman Roy has just beaten. Jack and O, Nugget. And I'm thunderstruck in a photo with Mr. Brightside. Terrific finish to the CF4. Behind those horses, Tuvalu, Aegon, Western Empire, Chirath and Coolside Mav. And I think apart from what we'll talk about soon with Mick Price in terms of the, the result with Jackano getting the protest uh, over Gentleman Roy, it also showed it was an exciting race for the, for the first Group 1. A busy finish showing that uh, there was no real... You know, stand out there, and there were several good runs coming out of it. Oh yeah, there was lots of them, wasn't there? I mean, obviously, all the attention was on the, pro- the protest, and rightly so. But even Mr. Brightside, who ran fifth, I thought was an absolutely cracking run. Looking forward to the autumn. Yeah, exactly right. Um, we were hoping to speak to Mick Price, but uh, he can't be with us. Um, he's bidding, is he, producer? We're in the sale in Sydney. Fair enough. 
That's all right. Well, we'll try and catch up. We might try and catch up with Mick tomorrow on Press Room. Look, um, just for those who didn't uh, see it, uh, Damien Lane, writing Jack and O, lodged an objection against Gentleman Roy. There was a shift from Gentleman Roy over the last, I think, about the 80 metres, the stewards uh, ascertained the point was, where there was a shift. And um, you can see that the Jack and O loses a little bit of momentum. Uh, that's the, the head-on. bit hard to tell on the on the lateral shot, but... What was the margin of the end? A short head? Uh, short half head, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, I, I'm against it, but but like, as I said before, I'm not outraged. I just sort of thought uh, if it was a nose, yeah, uh, 99 times out of 100, you'd, you'd uphold that. But I just thought given the margin, um, I don't know. And as you said, there was a bit of ambiguity there depending on what shots you looked at. Uh, I'm watching it live and then watching the replays, I thought to myself... This will probably be dismissed, but it won't be the shock of the century if it was upheld. And what a result for Jack and O. And as big as it was for Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr., what about Whidden at Whidden Stud, who, who obviously are going to stand Jack and O, already a Group 1 winner uh, of the Golden Rose, but two Group 1s. This one, obviously, wait for age, just adds another tick, uh, you know, to that sort of <laughs> stallion resume, I guess, and the stud fees go up and up. So I was nervous. And as anxious as Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr., Damien Lane would have been, oh, I reckon Anthony Thompson from Widden Stud would have been just <laughs> thinking, oh, God, please uphold this, please uphold it. Because it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it it doesn't, it, you know, the horse ran second across the post just because it's been upheld. It doesn't make it a better horse. It doesn't mean it's going to have a better mm. future on the track. But it increases the stud value substantially, doesn't it? I've watched that replay a few times, primarily to, to, from the, the protest point of view, but then also watching Jack and I, at about the 100 metres, if you were on Jacket O, you'd be saying, I'm going to run a nice third or fourth. That will to win, he lifted himself, that horse, that last 50 metres. Uh, you don't see that too often, particularly at Group 1 level, and that will to win really struck me. And, of course, as you said, now a dual Group 1 winner. And he's a Rubik Colt and five starts now, or five wins now from ten starts. Price and Kent also had I'm Thunderstruck. As I mentioned, he was heavily backed. I had something on I'm Thunderstruck. He had a good run into the race, and I kept thinking from about the 200 to the 100, he's going to win on Thunderstruck. I'm thinking of that booming finish down that long straight. In the end, he didn't run a place. But I heard Jamie Carr interviewed uh, post-race, and she said everything went swimmingly, but that last 100 metres, he just started to feel a pinch, and to, to use her words, he had a good sweat after the race. So he probably just needed the run. As pity we can't speak to Mick about it, but that was her opinion. And visually, that's what it looked like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, looking at this race, you can take the top seven. I mean, they finished within a length of a length and a half of each other, as good as Jack and I was, and Gentleman Roy. Uh, you mentioned on Thunderstruck. I thought Nugget was terrific uh, for Kieran Maher and Dave Eustace. Actually, looked like the winner to me for for most of the straight. It was cruising. Obviously, this is an Australian bloodstock horse. Noel Green, now a great friend of the show, is uh, in Nugget uh, as well. I referenced Mr. Brightside earlier. So I think this is a you know. Sometimes the all can produce funny old results and, and you're not quite sure of the form sometimes coming out of it. But I, I think this year you can follow the first six or seven horses in this race with some sort of confidence going forward. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I'm normally a knock on, on, on bunch finishes. I often think that the, the form isn't as good if they all finish in a group. But I think here we've got a collection of really good horses all running really well first up and we can look forward to their, their individual campaigns. Of course, Jack and I, like a few others in this race, will go to the Futurity in two weeks' time. That's uh, Blue Diamond at Oakley Plate Day at Sandown. That was the 
or stakes. Let's now focus on the two-year-olds yesterday, and importantly we do because, as I said, the Blue Diamond is in a fortnight's time, and the uh, the last stop-off for most of these was yesterday in the, the preludes. Let's firstly go to the Colts and Geldings prelude. Barber was a little easier in the market. There was probably better support in the last 20 minutes for the unbeaten Brave Halo. Here's Matt Hill's replay. Cornice, the front runner at the 200 metres, grabbed by Barber. Little Bros, the outside. It is Barber, Cornice kicking back and out wide, Little Bros. Barber just in front from Little Bros as they reach the line. And it's going to be Barber, Barber from Little Bros, and then a photo between Cornice and Brave Halo. Back behind those horses then was Amigo, and next to clock in, Fire Follower and Gangitano. Next behind those horses uh, in the back half then was Peerless Lad in company, then with... Uh, at the end, goods, and also back there with those horses, some people call me and Tara Bow. He hasn't put a foot wrong, Barbara, and the record shows that now. Three starts, three wins. Uh, that win in the Golden Gift uh, late last year was electric, that big finish from near enough to last. But yesterday, uh, jumping well and right on speed and uh, a gritty performance. Vinnie Cox was with us last week. We might as well book him in for a spot every week, the way things are going. He's joining us again, but we're glad to have him on the air. Good morning, Vin. Oh, good morning, David. Look, it's uh, very good to come on the radio with you guys because it usually correlates with a fairly uh, solid Saturday the day before. And that exactly what it was. I was just saying with Barber, he hasn't put a foot wrong, has he? And uh, we've sort of seen his versatility now because in the Golden Gift, he gave them a long start, that booming finish, but yesterday on speed and Courageous to the line. Yeah, what you say is exactly right. He travelled beautifully for Jamie Carr and uh, that big, long straight. Wow. Um, it's a long way. And um, then even Jamie can see that she got there a bit soon. But uh, what she also said was that uh, you know, while other horses were coming at him, um, there was still another couple of gears under the bonnet. So uh, all goes well for um, a couple of weeks' time in the Blue Diamond. And um, it looks like we're going to have a fairly solid hand in the Blue Diamond. Yeah, absolutely. Your Monday morning meeting should be an interesting one at Godolphin, Vin, for lots of reasons. Um, but you've got all sorts of two-year-olds to make decisions with. Obviously, Barber exploring one well yesterday. Zulfikar, we remember, even Amur and no doubt some others as well. So you're just sport for choice with some of these two-year-olds, aren't you? Oh, yeah, we're in a very strong position and um, those three, I can't see any reason why we wouldn't go forward with, with the three of them into the Blue Diamond. Uh, there's only limited opportunities at Group 1 level, particularly at two-year-olds, and um, they're, they're, they're very forward, precocious types. So um, it's good for the business, it's good for the brand if, uh, if we can knock the race off. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, from Godolphin's point of view, and, and you often do uh, target the Blue Diamond, What's the rationale? Uh, is, does it depend on the individual horse, whether you say, well, say a horse wins the Blue Diamond, about going to the Golden Slipper? Um, well, you always have that race um, in the back of your mind. Well, I shouldn't say back in your mind, in the forefront of your mind. Um, but if they're up and ready to go, um, you go to the Blue Diamond and if for whatever reason you have to zig or zag, um, then you can. And, 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 the, and the Golden Slipper very much comes on the radar. And we have, over the last few years, uh, run horses in both races and um, while we not in Sepoy we won the two of them but um, uh, but uh, yeah they've been the horses that have come out of the Blue Diamond into the Golden Slipper have been quite competitive so um, like I said like I said earlier you've got to take your chances when they're there and uh, group one race at two is not to be sneezed at so if they're up and going let's go do you feel, Vin, yesterday was a day, and I made this remark at the outset of the show, that it, we've sort of been waiting for a two-year-old, I guess, 
to really stand up, and there was a few of them yesterday. Obviously, Barber, John O'Shea's horse in the first um, in Sydney, um, the Millennium winner as well. It was it was a day that we sort of learnt more about, I suppose, the pecking order of two-year-olds. And do you feel Barber's right at the top of that? I don't think there's any doubt he's, he's well and truly at the top of that. Uh, you know, it's the pointy end of the two-year-old season now, so uh, that's when the form starts to, to consolidate. And uh, Barber, he's three for three. He can't do any more. Um, the filly um, learning to fly, I thought she was quite outstanding. Uh, exploring our own filly, just a brilliant filly that uh, led him up and uh, kicked away and held on very very strongly. I thought that was a, a huge performance as well. So, And, and to your point, John O'Shea's, um, period, he was he was quite dynamic. I thought we had it won with remedies, and boom, you know, we, we rewrote our filly to, to try and beat the odds-on favourite, the red-hot favourite, and uh, we did that comfortably enough. But uh, we weren't, weren't weren't accounting for that late finish of of, of, of John's horse. Barber's now five dollars favourite on tab to to win the Blue Diamond in a fortnight's time. He ran one three ninety nine, exploring a race later, running one three forty nine, quicker time. Yeah, but um, that that shows something. I mean, she she did win very very well. Mm. Uh, you know, it's hard to do it at both ends, uh, and particularly with that very long straight at Sandown, uh, it adds uh, you know a real merit to a win and, and the time as well. So, um, you know, we're as excited about exploring as we are as we are Barber and Zolfika. Let's turn the focus to Royal Randwick. Animo did what we expect him to do: win. He's now won twelve from twenty-two. He's got this fantastic black tie record and, well, he did everything required. It was a race devoid of, of natural speed and McDonald got him out well, put him into a perfect spot and if you were right, it was a pretty painless watch. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't say painless. You're always nervous with a horse like that. And, um, you know, we, you know, as everyone did, there wasn't going to be a lot of pace on. And uh, so James, James had to really take up a position and, um, you know, put the race to bed fairly early in the straight which was which was great um you know i think the horse certainly races better when he can when he can cam off him a bit further say three pairs back and and there's good genuine solid pace on that's when he's at his dynamic best so hopefully that comes um later in the campaign uh but it's exciting to have him back and and in fine form and and winning as he did yesterday where does he sit Finn, in terms of godolphin's Best horses really in history. I saw Ray Thomas in the Daily Telegraph reeled off some stats yesterday about sort of, you know, the statistical side of things where he sits. But, I mean, is he, in terms of what he's done, is he is he right up there with Godolphin's very best worldwide of all time almost? Yeah, well, he's he's won the most Group 1 races of any Godolphin uh, Dar- slash Daly owned, Sheikh Mohammed owned horse ever. Um, so that's quite a significant achievement, and for Godolphin Australia to produce a horse of that calibre is, um, is you know, we, we're obviously very proud of that. Um, in terms of prize money won, he's sitting around third or fourth, I think. Um, so he's he's gradually climbing the ladder, and, and, and obviously, and fingers crossed, the story's not over yet. A four-start autumn campaign culminates in the Queen Elizabeth during the championships. It's also been floated in, in this morning's uh, on Racenet and in the Daily Telegraph. Uh, a possible swan song or a farewell at Royal Ascot. How strong is that? Is that that notion? 
Oh, if he's winning like he is, yes, like he did yesterday, he'll be on the plane. Um, it's something we'd really like to do. Uh, it would cap off his career. It, it validates uh, what we think of the horse um, here in Australia. Uh, if he could go over there and perform very well, um, it'll add value to to him as a stallion prospect. In that it opens up. Uh, the Northern Hemisphere um, stallion season, uh, breeding season for him. So uh, there's, a, there's a few things that, that can really work for us and uh, it's something we're very serious about doing and uh, hopefully we can, we, can, we can get on the plane. That'll be a great, great moment for Aussie racing fancies. I'd like to get on that plane too, Vin, just quietly. I don't know if the Shake Mahama's got a few spare shekels he can get me on that plane. That'll be the trip of a lifetime. But in all seriousness, uh, in secret, in the light fingers... Uh, she was good, uh, wasn't she? And, and what's the autumn hold for her? Uh, look, she's a, an outstanding filly. She's, um, you know, she's only been beaten twice, and, and, and both both races, you could argue that she should have or could have won. Um, we will go to the um, um, the Surround Stakes Group One in a couple of weeks' time, over fourteen hundred metres at Roundwick, and then down to Melbourne for the Newmarket is the plan at this stage, but. Uh, she looks like an elite filly, and um, we're, we're very thankful we've got her. And we bought her at Magic Millions for for a fair bit of money. That she's um, what we gave for is looking looking cheap. There, I say it these days. Yeah, I think she was nine hundred thousand, wasn't she? Yes, she was. I and I should shout out to, to good mate Kelly Schweder. He was the underbidder on her, and every time I see him, <laughs> he reminds me. So <laughs> he reminds feel, everyone. For him. He yeah. reminds everyone. <laughs> just just one. Little note of concern within secret, and, and actually our form analyst Brad Davidson mentioned this yesterday when we were talking about the meeting. She had two barrier trials leading into yesterday, and she hadn't been well away in, in either trial. And I noticed yesterday, in fact, everyone would have noticed that she missed the start again yesterday. Is that a bit concerning? Yeah, it is, no, no doubt, and particularly you know when you're getting into these these elite sprint races like a new market, uh, you can't afford to be jibbing the start and, and she is noticeably doing it. Uh, we think that it's probably as a result of um, coming out of the, the barriers in the Coolmore at Flemington when she got smashed coming out of the barriers but still managed to win the race. Whether she's just a little gun shy, um, hopefully we can we can um, get her over it. But yes, no, it's it's not ideal. I think you had 13, start, 13 starters at Ramwick and, and Sandown yesterday. You won four for black-type races, ones that really counted, and several placings as well. So a good day at the office. Always appreciate your time, mate. Thank you. No worries, lad. It was good to chat. There he is, Vin Cox, the Managing Director of Godolphin Australia. And uh, I think he summed the situation up pretty well. We might go to that race of exploring now. I, I must admit that I didn't notice, me being a time freak, but I didn't notice, like, Barber probably held more conversation and probably got better plaudits, but Exploring ran half a second faster. Here's the replay. So it's exploring down Corrigan Dip as they reach the 450 two lengths party for two. They were followed next by Charmstone yet to be called upon. Soju over on the far side. An extreme threat and cigar flick behind those horses exploring as they reach the 250. Charmstone in hot pursuit with party for two and also extreme threat. It's exploring with 100 metres to go. Party for two and cigar flick. It's exploring holding on from party for two and exploring is going to go on and win it. Exploring from party for two, sensical late, followed by extreme threat, cigar flick, charmstone. Next, beauty rising, Suzuku, and back behind those horses then was pulling up quickly, Soju on the inside. 
Craig Williams on this occasion road exploring. Of course, he's ridden her in each of her starts so far for Godolphin. She showed a lot more ticker there yesterday. She was uh, a bit, well, faded at the end of a thousand in the in the preview back on, on Australia Day, but um, she was stronger yesterday. And as I said, the, the times there to, to underline the performance are running quicker than Barber. Yeah, absolutely. Half a second, I think. Um, look, the Queensland filly party for two. Yeah, terrifically. Oh, and look, I don't know what you thought, but I thought three or 400 metres, or maybe not, two, sort of, certainly two or 300 metres out, I thought this filly was going to run about 10th. She would just looked like mm. she'd given her best and she was going to start going backwards, but she just kept kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking. She got beaten a length. I reckon first run... Uh, down in Melbourne, first first time the tr- the trainer had seen Sandown, the filly had seen Sandown, she hadn't worked there or anything. First trip away, I, I th- thought it was an exceptional run, and they now have to work out whether to pay the $55,000 late entry fee for the Blue Diamond. I've been told that they will, and why wouldn't you, really? I mean, she's, you know, as you say, the fillies went quicker than the Colts and Geldings, and, and look, you wouldn't think she could win a Blue Diamond, but I'll I tell you what, I mean, Damien Batters may never have another... Group one horse. You've got to have a throw at the stumps, don't you? Well, she's in form. She, she's she's racing. She, she's racing well. She's there, and I do note that second prize money yesterday was fifty four thousand dollars. So <laughs> yes. you're so keen to get her in. Put the extra thousand away. We go. Oh, if only I had a thousand. She'll uh, she'll acquit herself well. Just on a side note, there, I know there's probably no way around it, but how bloody ridiculous did it look at Sandown with the two winning posts? <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, yeah. like it was. I mean, if you were a punter and you're on something that was kicking for home, and you saw the first winning place flashing up, you thought, "Wow, we I've got my cash," and then you were run down in the last twenty metres at the second winning place. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen anything well, so ridiculous. Well, they have to do that to accommodate the eleven hundred metre start, which is run out of the thousand metre shoot, but. I, I, I feel for Matt Hill as well. I haven't spoken to him, but I was going to have a, a chat with him because where he broadcasts from is virtually in line with the normal winning post. <laughs> oh, so they're going another 80 metres. So I sort of gather he might have to go to the television, which is not ideal. But um, it was, it, and they were big fields too. So he did an outstanding job, which we expect. But, yeah, you're right, it was a little difficult to deal with. We're looking back at Sandown yesterday, Sandown Hillside meeting. Here's a race with a great Queensland interest. Uncommon James was making his return. He was well back to win the race too. This is the, the Group 2 Rubiton. Oxley Road, the leader, approaching the 400 metres, a length, Semion. Uncommon James yet to be called upon. So too, Generation, the outside, rocketing by behind those horses, and then came Marine One, spread across the track again. Uncommon James at the 200, lets down now. Marine One, Generation going with Uncommon James at the 100. Uncommon James challenged by Lofty Strike out wide too. Lofty Strike over the top. What a good return. Lofty Strike has won it by three quarters. Uncommon James, chain of lightning through for third from Marine one, then Argentia and Triple Missile wasn't too far away from the action. Terrific race in the end. They were followed then by Semion in company with Oxley Road Generation, Vane Stream and Kemmel Passer, one of the last to complete. Well, Julius Sandu prepares a small team out at Cram, and I like this horse, Lofty Strike. Of course, this time last year, he was making an impact as a two-year-old. He didn't get to the Blue Diamond. He had that uh, three-start campaign during the spring, Good in the Coolmore, good in the VRC Classic. Great return yesterday, smothered away, but brilliant finish. Yeah, absolutely. And firms from uh, $15 to $7 uh, in the Oakley Plate. Uh, this obviously race is a, a real springboard towards that Group 1. Uh, I thought well, Uncommon James actually has eased from 8 to $9 for the Oakley Plate. So it remained fairly firm. I, I thought that was very encouraging, that run. I, I spoke to Steve O'Day 
uh, at Dooman in the minutes afterwards. Obviously, he's you know watching on TV like the rest of us were in Brisbane. But he said, look, first up since August, um, you know, over-raced a little bit, was a little bit wide, thought was very, very encouraging, and, mm. and so did I. I suppose if you had have backed him, you would have liked to have obviously seen him win, and a lot of people did back him. Uh, but outside of winning, I, I thought he was he was good, and there's a fair bit of you know fitness to work with there going forward. Yeah, I, I think the fitness point you make is is uh, very genuine, and also to, to be fair, I think he's he's run well. He hasn't got beaten that far, but I think the horse that beat him is pretty good too. So yeah. you know, this is what happens at this time of year: good horses race good horses, and sometimes some are just a little better than others. The only thing I, I would say is, I, I, you know, I maintain he's very encouraging. But if you're talking sort of potential Quokka slots, Everest slots, those sort of things, if he's going to be at that level, mm. you arguably would have liked to have seen him win yesterday. Yeah, exactly right. He goes to, to the Oakley Plate, as you outline, as will Lofty Strike. Most impressive. Let's continue on the Group 3, Kevin Hayes. Big field here for the three-year-old Phillies. Here's the replay. Do say on the inside of H2O as they thunder round the corner at the 650. We Nessie out deeper. Also in that group of horses down the middle of the track is Queen of the Ball. Scythera between them. Ohio over on the inside. They were followed next out deeper by She Dances and Laced Up Heels is very deep. They're right across the track here at the 300. Do say Scythera, We Nessie, Queen of the Ball. Ohio back along the inside. Scythera 150 metres to go. Ohio, Queen of the Ball the outside laced up heels and Ladon Seuss Rouge this is going to be an absolute humding a queen of the ball Rich Fortune's coming at queen of the ball they reach the line Rich Fortune I think has beaten queen of the ball and then came Scythera Ohio Ladon Seuss Rouge in a real clump of them behind those waver rider boy and then came next in the field she's lickety split back behind those horses beyond midfield she dances laced up heels Jenny Jerome Doucet got tied H2O punctured up as well and finished amongst the tail enders Jerome Hunter, of course, trains his team at Mornington. We know him well with his uh, training feats with Barb Raider. Of course, she was up here during our carnival last year, but he's got a nice filly here in Rich Fortune by Rich Enough. She's only had the three starts. She was good at the Valley first up. That was uh, on Christmas Eve, and she was good again yesterday, producing that, that finish that we saw at Mooney Valley. So she's got a good future. Only had the three starts, two wins and a placing. Let's go to the other, our final Replay and the other feature race from yesterday. This is the Carline Cup at Group 3 level. So subconscious deny knowledge. They've run this at a good clip from Keats around the turn. Then came Corner Pocket, who's four off the lead on the inside from Sosi Bon Crosshaven. Further back pounding to the outside from Man Cayen. Sunshine Rising's going to be the widest and starting to come on. Keats moves up to deny knowledge. Sosi Bon now pounding right down the outside is coming home hard at the 200. Pounding took the front. Race clear from Sosi Bon. Keats and then Sunshine Rising. But it's all pounding. Pounding, pounding, surging away and pounding won it easily. Head bobber second. Sosi Bond got it from Sunshine Rising and Keats. And behind those, explosive Jack and Ice little pipe opener from Young Verda. Deny knowledge spoken Romans Crosshaven. Then corner pocket. Didn't come on. Mancayan behind them. Well back in the field, Normandy Bridge to Sean Sweet Jr. and last subconscious. This was a horse who, what, five runs ago, finished midfield at a benchmark 78 at Ballarat, but he's certainly turned a corner this campaign. It's been a fairly long campaign, but he's now won his past three. Jamie Carr's been on him each time. Each each time, every win's actually been better. Yeah, certainly a horse in form, and so is the jockey. Um, It was a double for Jamie Carr at Sandown yesterday, following on from a treble the night before at 
Mooney Valley. And if you go to um, RaceNet or any of the News Corp websites, there's a really nice interview there with Jamie Carr that one of my colleagues uh, has done, which just gives you a bit of an insight into her life and how she goes about things, even how she, how she researches rides and uses a manager and, and all sorts of things. So it's definitely worth a read. It was a great ride. Um, I think Jamie was of the opinion too what was going to happen at the start. She drew the outside gate, but as it turned out, she was able to slot in and not only then slot in, but then appreciate a really good speed. They went hard up front and pounding, appreciated that, travelled well in midfield and finished off well. But there was a good margin there and he he's flying. Whether he can keep up at that level remains to be seen. As I said, he's been up for some time, but no horses racing better. That's three on the bounce. That was the meeting at Sandown Hillside yesterday. And of course, we go to Flemington next Saturday for the, the Black Caviar Lightning. It's going to be a great race. We go from Sandown out of Royal Randwick. And the first race we're going to replay is the first race of the day, the Piero Plate. You don't often see two-year-olds come from last and win. But here's a case in point, Cafe Millennium. Don Corleone's in a tricky spot at the moment as they come around the turn. Chevron leads by three now on Remedies. Bonding shifting ground, so Don Corleone's got a stack of room to go through on the inside now. Empress of Wonder being shoved along and hiking the outside. Chevron just the leader now from Remedies and Don Corleone being stoked up between them running on. Empress of Wonder of well the outside. Remedies still in front. Don's under immense pressure. Empress of Wonder the outside and Cafe Millennium from last. Remedies in front but Cafe Millennium Gobbled it up. Big win. Big debut. Cafe Millennium knocked off Remedies. Empress of Wonder third. And they left the money in the bag with the Don today. Don Corleone labouring fourth. Followed by Bonding. Raises. Then came Roussillon, Chevron and High King. Yes, last to first. Tom Markwin riding for the John O'Shea stable. Great debut by this not-a-single-doubt cult. Oh, great. It was absolutely spectacular. It was... um Arguably close to the win of the day, I thought, for such a... looks. We'll talk to John O'Shea in a minute, but looks an absolute giant. It was visually spectacular, this win. Yeah, it certainly was. And the, the man who trains Cafe Millennium joins us on Pass the Post. John, good morning. Good day at the office for you. And we just... We, we listened to the replay. We just had a quick chat about it. Did you expect that sort of performance yesterday? We had... We've lost him. The result, he would... Uh probably run a nice third or fourth but he did too much wrong and he was still able to get on top of them so it was obviously really rewarding for everyone and particularly you know Ron Finnamore who'd bred sort of the mother and raised the father and got him at stud so yeah it's really good day. How big is he John? He looks bloody enormous on the telly. He's a big cold Um, you know but he probably hasn't grown at all since He's been in the yard. He was sort of big weanling and uh, he come in the yard and he's been sort of 16 hands all the way through, but he's just growing into his frame. He hasn't necessarily gone up anymore. So um, it's not a big plunderbuss. He's sort of quite athletic and, you know, he's, he's only 530 kilos, so he's not over the top big. Has he got sort of an unusual running style? He looked almost, even though it was so spectacular the way he ran, he looked almost a little bit ungainly at times in the run. Oh, he just doesn't quite know what he's doing yet. Um, Tommy galloped him on Tuesday and sort of said, you know, he, he went to drop down and level out and just didn't quite know how to do it. So, obviously, that helped him on Saturday, uh, having Tom riding Tuesday. But I think it's just about him learning his craft and learning, you know, where to put his big frame. So, that'll no doubt help him. Um, but he couldn't... He won't be able to do that much wrong 
you know, in those better two-year-old races and be competitive, you'll have to execute significantly better. So we'll just have to work on that over the next few weeks. Yeah, that's a good point you make. I noticed you actually trialled him earlier last year. So was he in and out? Yeah, no, he was, you know, like again, he had a nice trial last year and he'd only had a, a relatively soft trial this time in Britain, trialled him a couple of weeks ago and, and he just sort of had a bit of a burn round. And, and, you know, again, that's probably why we thought that he would need the run um, yesterday. And, and so consequently, we've just sort of been bringing him along steadily and letting him learn his craft on the run. They talk about with two-year-olds, the speed is so important. I, I get all that, but often in, in big two-year-old races, um, a lot of speed generates uh, horses with good finishes. I, I think it, I think you must be pretty excited to have a two-year-old that is still learning the craft, which was obvious. We saw that yesterday, but you know what what he what he did yesterday. Not a lot of two-year-olds can do that. I don't think. No, no, and the, and the watch gave him up. I mean, he was quicker than the Millennium Box mm. substantially, and he was quicker than the Millennium Home. So, um, you know, that's his first race start. He, he has significant improvement um, after that just through executing better. I mean, he got squished out at the start, and then probably, you know, he was a bit sort of taken back by all that for the first furlong, and Tom sort of had to ride him a bit and just to get him into a rhythm, you know. So, But Tommy did say to me, he said, at the 600, he said, I knew I had him covered. He was so, he jumped onto the bridle and um, and when he, you know, he said, I thought I had him covered a long way out, you know. So, um, yeah, it's very, very exciting. Uh, whether that racing pattern will be advantageous at Rose Hills, probably another thing. But, you know, we'll just go through the process and see where it gets us. What do you make of the two-year-old form in general <clears throat> this season, John? Because they seem to be standing up, you know, it, sort of differently each week. Um, and is there a benchmark two-year-old, do you think, at the moment? Or? I think probably the filly from yesterday and the Millennium is the benchmark two-year-old in Australia. But, you know, fundamentally, the the watch has been sort of very critical of of the performance of most of the two-year-olds. You know, like they, they're just not breaking the watch. And that's the true test of two-year-olds. You know, speed and quality is, is what they do on the watch. You know, and at the moment, none of them are giving that a bit of a stake at all. Quantico got black type yesterday, Group 3, the Southern Cross. He's a horse who's had only 12 starts. He's won seven of them. That's been spaced over two and a half years. Just give us a sort of background of this horse. Has he had some issues? Well, he's an expensive yearling and tried to sort of keep him an entire, which probably never helped him in early stages, but he's always been quite a soft-boned horse. Um, then we got him going, or sort of after we got him gelded, we got a bunch of wet tracks in Sydney, as you know, and then he just had a little ligament issue in the back of his past. And so, you know, we had to give him an appropriate amount of time for that. And there was no point bringing him back uh, during the spring in Sydney because it was all too wet. Uh, so I just left him out a bit longer. And you know, as a result, he had a, a big sort of lead up to yesterday, been in work quite a while. He's a horse I always felt would make a Stradbroke horse. Um, so it's just a matter now of getting the miles into his legs, getting some consistency of performance, and then you know, uh, laying down a, a platform to get to Queensland uh, for the Stadbroke. Well, that's good news for us up here, but in the short term, where will he run next? Uh, there's another race uh, in, at Ramwick in two weeks, mm-hmm. which we would probably expect him just to be a little flat because there's a big performance yesterday and probably take a step back from that. Um, and then we would you know, give consideration, maybe run him down the straight, uh, dry ground, he's, he's had two goes down the straight, one was very effective. So, uh, And then, you know, he can have a break and then probably have two runs into a straight break. 
Good on you, mate. Good day at the office yesterday and really exciting with Cafe Millennium. Thanks for being with us. Cheers, boys. There he is, John O'Shea. And whatever way you look at that first race, uh, that's an outstanding performance. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, I'm sure there'll be people saying I'm an idiot, but I thought that was actually just about the win of the day. Anyway, I mean, like, Animo was great. <clears throat> you know, the CFO was dramatic. Uh, but, but we sort of know those horses, don't we? They're, they're you know, exposed horses. This was just new blood on the scene. And in a season where I thought John was really fascinating there, just asking him about the, the two-year-old crop, Tony Gons, Magic Millions winner, has been terrific, you know, never been beaten. There's a few other decent two-year-olds, but I don't think anything's been standing out on stalks. And just the way he talked about that and the way he talked about his own horse, well, I thought was really fascinating. He's got a good one. He was $101 before the Piero played yesterday in the slipper. He's now at $11. That's Cafe Millennium. We'll come back and talk about the other two-year-old race shortly, but let's have a listen to a couple of these other feature races. We'll go... Firstly to Adamo, and uh, he was, of course, an odds-on favourite to take out the Group 2 Apollo. Here's the replay. Coming to the turn, and Hinged is trying to lead all the way. Hinged leads from Laws of Indices under immense pressure. Arapaho goes to the inside. Animo goes to the outside. Two lengths away to Mawunga and Ice Bath. Hinged leads down to the 250. Animo's honing in quickly. It's Hinge being tackled by Animo. And it's time for the crow. Away goes Animo now from Hinge. They're followed then by Mawunga. Fangirl rattling home, but Animo launches his autumn assault in Great style, beating Hinged and Fangirl, rattling home. Then came Ice Bath, Mawunga, further back to Arapahoe. Surefire, Laws of Indices, El Bodigan and Vega 1. Yes, yeah, not much more to say. It's there for all to see. Uh, I was say, a tradesman-like performance, that's what it was. A race with not much pace on. They didn't go that hard. It was a sprint home, and uh, he took advantage of that. A Fangirl's run was outstanding. She was the sectional star because... She gave them a long start in what was a sprint home. I think she ran 33-1 in the last 600. So that was an encouraging return by her. Yeah, for sure. And we talk about Joe Mack all the time, don't we? He just racks up winner after winner. And, yeah, he's on the best horses. But I reckon Joe Bloggs wouldn't have got that horse to win yesterday. McDonald's ride won Animo the race. I know Animo was the best horse in the race, but resuming 1,400 metres, just had to ride early just to get it one out, one back. And from there, the, the race was over. Like, I mean, it's... it's you know, a second-tier jockey, not that the second-tier jockey would be riding Animo, but I don't think would have won on Animo. It was just a perfect ride. A short time earlier, another Godolphin horse was straight to the line, a great return by In Secret, Nash Ramilla riding, and here's how she won. Cinderella Days races to a clear lead at the 600 metres on She's a Belder and North Star Lass is moving up on the outside. Two after Sunshine in Paris, Wolverine in secret midfield, the inside. They're followed by Byron Bell from Fireburn Rosita as they turn for home. Cinderella Days swings in front from She's a Belder, being cuddled up the rise. Clark gets busy on North Star Lass. Two lengths away to Sunshine in Paris. In secret, back to the inside. Still a couple off the lead. Cinderella Days giving a bold side in the lead. Cinderella Days, two lengths clear. Sunshine in Paris. In Secret coming off heels for the final assault. Here she comes in Secret going to Cinderella Days and the favourite gets up in Secret. A few heart-stopping moments but in Secret won the light fingers from Sunshine in Paris and Cinderella Days giving a brave side in the lead. Then came Rosita from Revolutionary Miss. North Star Lash, Isabella dropped off. A lot more love savaging the line late. Then came Fireburn, Byron Bell, Wolverine and Madame Pomery. I'm sure James Cummings and his team were delighted that In Secret won, but they'll work on that business at the barrier because 
She did show that uh, in, in those trials she was uh, tardily away and she was slowly out yesterday. And you can't really afford to be doing that the higher you get up the ladder as far as these, race, uh, these races are concerned. What about the run of the, the second place getter? Sunshine in Paris. We saw her mm. in the Winter Carnival running third in the mode plate. Oh, I thought she was just terrific running second behind in secret. Another good one for Annabelle Nisham. I'm intrigued by I'm just looking at it on Racing Australia now. Owner's details. Chip. C-H-I-P. It's Chip. You know who Chip is? No. No. I'll tell you what. Must be a syndicate managed by Kay Averson. Yeah, Chip, if you're listening, you've got a good horse. Good on you, Chip. (laughs) And considering because many said it was a good test for her yesterday because I know she won the other day, but she went up six kilos uh, at the the set weights, but she ran really well. And Cinderella Days was very cheeky in third after leading. Now, let's go to this uh, English millennium. Learning to fly drew near enough to the outside was a mile back. I estimate five wide with cover. Let's have a listen to how she zoomed home to win. Perfect proposal on the fence just in front from Selwi. Mexico three out. Facile back on the rails. Two lengths away then to Kundalini coming off heels with a good run. Down to the 300. Mexico takes the lead. Mexico two lengths in front. There's a fall back in the field. Now Lazago slicing through the pack running on. Learning to fly. Descending on them wide out there. Six or seven in it. Learning to fly. Right down the outside. Learning to fly. Got up to beat Blanc de Blanc. Kundalini third followed by Lazago. Then came Hellish from Facile, Gambare making up many lengths. Then came Eminence from Mexico, Soltair the player, uh, Arkansas kid from Selwy, perfect proposal, coincide. And uh, we lost the rider, Tom Markwendorf, Dorothy Gale down at the 225 metre mark. That was a nasty fall in the early part of the straight. Uh, Josh Pass subsequently suspended until the, the 15th of March, I think, something like 20 meetings. And uh, uh, he put his hand up pretty smartly, which he was certainly entitled to when you saw the replay. Yeah, it was just dramatic, wasn't it? And Annabelle Nisham, uh, dramatic moments for her too. She didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Obviously, she had that spectacular winner. Um, but it was her horse that, that fell. And obviously, uh, you know, coming from Europe, um, you know, Annabelle knows Tom Marquand quite well. So she's obviously very concerned um, about him. But look, bottom line in the wash-up is um, Tom Marquand seems... Okay enough, he's got concussion. I don't think he'll be riding in Qatar, which, you know, he was due to fly over there this week. Um, but, yeah, Annabelle Neesham's got a very, very nice horse. Interesting, though, as um, John O'Shea referenced, that um, the Cafe Millennium ran a quicker time. Um, but this was certainly visually so good, wasn't it? It's the first time I've heard you reference time yeah, before just, I jumped in. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just... Am I rubbing off on you? I'm uh, maturing in life or something. I, I don't know. I, I, Becoming I, more sensible, maybe. I would hope so, but I'll mention the times just <laughs> while you're there. Cafe Millennium, 14.03, and Learning to Fly, 14.27. Fair to say, and, and not, not uh, diminishing the performance of either, both of these races were run at really strong speed, so uh, back markers were suited. Learning to Fly is $4 for the Golden Slipper. Skirt the Law, we've been mentioning her a few times at $7. Barbara, of course, Blue Diamond Bound. But they're at eight dollars. As we mentioned, Cafe Millennium in at eleven with Blanc de Blanc, who ran yesterday, and King's Gambit, who'll run this Saturday, coming up at eleven dollars. A few there on there on that eleven dollar line. Now, do we have any more races from Rappi? Of course we do. Let's have a listen to John O'Shea's Quantico win the Southern Cross. So it's Stamp in front, coming around the corner from Titanium Power and Espiona slips up on the inside looking for an inside run. There's a little bit of room there. Titanium Power wobbled out 
significantly there. Stamps licked. Espiona goes up the inside. Gravina running on. And Quatico being sealed up coming into the race. Titanium power in front from Quatico moving up the outside. The inside Espiona and Gravina and Hard Empire late. Quatico moves up. Quatico from Gravina. Quatico's going to win first up. Quatico won it from Gravina. Titanium power. Then came Hard Empire. Mr. Mozart flashing at the end. Espiona was next from Testator Silence. Stamp and Ranch Hand. Yeah, Quantico. John O'Shea outlined uh, his uh, CV. Uh, it's a good CV racing-wise too. Seven from 12, but he's had a few issues along the way. But John's been patient. Connections have been patient. And good news for Queensland that we might see him in a Stradbroke a little while down the track. But he's a horse who I think would be an ideal Stradbroke type. Yeah, it's a terrific former Queenslander. John O'Shea obviously loves getting back up here for, for Strady time. Um, what about Hard Empire? <laughs> he's almost 10. And ran out of his skin again. It started $21. He just gets forgotten in, in betting all, all the time, beating three quarters of a length. Never was going to win, but ran really nicely. It just goes to, he's just like a fine wine. This horse just keeps getting better and better and better. Ran terrifically. And Mr. Mozart did as well as, as Darren pointed out in the call. Our last replay from yesterday. We'll go to the, the Trisco for the Mears. And Written Beauty sees them all as they swing into the straight now, and it's uh, Jump the Broom in front by length. Two Norwegian Bliss getting closer on the outside. Then Curial from Swats that. More profits. Uh, Jamea starting to run into it quite nicely on the outside. Jump the Broom in front. Porcari Curry coming out of the pack now with a good run. Porcari Curry takes the lead there from Jump the Broom. Uh, Swats that. More profits. Porcari Curry in front, and Porcari Curry's going to win it by a length. Jump the broom, swatch that in a photo for second. More profits in fourth, followed by Jamea Written Beauty deep out. Then came Bellatrix Magic with late headway from Norwegian Bliss, who battled up the straight from Larkspur runner. Curreal dropped out and discerned. He gets his tongue around that well, Darren Flindell, Pocari Kari uh, for Bryce Hayes, who, of course, used to put the polish on Spieth. Producer, is that a, is that a Kiwi term? So, a song. It's a Kiwi song, is it? We might get you to sing that before we finish up here in 12 minutes' time. I'm sure that would be great for our listeners. <laughs> yes. Why don't we do it now? Can we do it now? Band, the producer, singing. No, yeah, no, that'd no, be outstanding. No, no he's, he's under pressure. He's, he's got a busy time here. Uh, but the horse won well. Good odds, too, about 20 to 1, I think. Yeah, what about them sending out Swats that as favourite? Leave me out of Swats that. Anyway, story for another day. Yeah, it's one that hasn't won for some time. <laughs> that was Royal Rabbit yesterday. We'll take a break here on Past the Post. Hope you're enjoying the program. Back to listen to some of the highlights at Doombin yesterday. That's up next. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Racing at Doombin yesterday, perfect track, good fours, upgraded to a good three later in the day. Let's go to race seven. This was the benchmark 75, and Depor arrived with some impressive Sunshine Coast wins on the board. Putters were all over him. He ran the favourite. He was a long way back in running, though. By the 300 metres and Queen Melissimo leads away. Maximum output is trying hard and coming after the leader, Gamely now. Then Barista Sister, Princess Bojack dropped off and then Deepaw, Queen Melissimo with 100 metres to go, still the leader for Maximum Output. Deepaw screaming home. Here he comes. Deepaw jumped out of the ground. What a win. Deepaw won. Beat Queen Melissimo, Maximum Output, Barista Sister. Then High Cost, Let's Party Marty, Adonna C. Liza with a Z, Princess Bojack. And last over the line was Zigalong in one we We'd seen that same sort of racing style up at the Sunshine Coast, but they were smaller fields, a little big long straight there yesterday in a harder race, back I think second last at the turn in the short Doom and straight. It was a bit of a win. 
Oh, a bit of a win. It was outstanding. I must admit, watching it live, I thought this favourite's got none where it was. I, you know, you knew it would zoom home, but uh, wow, we won with a hoof in the air. Well, I've got to admit, I got this wrong. I didn't. I didn't like the horse. I thought it was a different ball game from the Sunshine Coast to Doombin. I was wrong yesterday. I'll be wrong again. But I'm sure a man who's happy to prove me wrong is the trainer of Depor. He's done a great job with this horse, Adam Campton, and he's joining us now. Adam, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Well, and you must be delighted with uh, what this horse has done for you. Firstly, before we talk about yesterday, just take us through how you came to get him. Um, in, yeah, Inglis Online. Um, another trainer here on the coast was going to take him. Um, and I think something fell through with one of their owners. Um Actually, he was the same horse I had an eye on in that sale. Um, uh, and, yeah, obviously went to another trainer here and then we ended up lucky enough to get him. Um, as I suggest, I struggled to sell shares him at first and I wanted a bar of him. Um, I always remembered that Newcastle win that day when he, he blew him away and he's obviously always had the ability. And, and yeah, and that's how he landed in our stable. Adam, I sense this was a really special moment for you. You seemed really um, quite emotional after this win, and obviously it's your first Saturday City winner. Um, you've been training for 14 months. You know, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of support, and, and a lot of tricky moments in training, isn't there? And it sort of all bubbled over a bit yesterday with with this tremendous result for you. Yeah, I'm not really an emotional bloke, um, but it meant a lot. I've got family in that horse, and um, a lot of people have supported me along the way in the horse as well. It's it has been tough with him. Um, he's had plenty of setbacks and um, he's tested, obviously, you know, I'm a young trainer, learning a lot. Um, you know, I've, he's tested my patience at times, thinking, oh, you know, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? But uh, I've always had so much belief in the horse. Um, you know, his he's gallops of the morning are pretty special. He can pick up any horse on the track and spit him out. He's got that incredible turn of foot, Um and as I said yesterday, Shannon, who's been riding in work um, since joining our team, he's done a special job on the horse. And um, it, it was a big thrill yesterday. And um, it probably also, you know, you, you second-guess yourself going to town, taking on the likes of Golden Sweeter, Heathcote and them. And um, it was just probably, yeah, a big ticker, ticker out in the box to say that, you know, I can match with those guys. Yeah, well done again. Now, give the listeners a bit of an insight into your background. Obviously, you come from an elite sort of racing pedigree through your father and, and grandfather, but you were working in Hong Kong for the Jockey Club. What were you doing over there for the Jockey Club and what prompted you to, to come back and turn your hand to training? Um, yeah, I, I went to Hong Kong for four and a half years before I was a bookmaker. Um, you know, I'd done a fair bit in the racing and... Um, when I was young, I hated. I didn't hate horse racing. I loved horse racing, but I hated the training side of it. Probably just because seeing my dad go through it when he, you know, he's a very successful jockey, and then he had a lot of success early on in training, and then he obviously struggled late. And I just always used to, you know, see him miss the footy matches and stuff like that. And as a kid, you know, you sort of think, well, why would you want to be a horse trainer? And then, <laughs> um, as I got older, I, it, you know, the bug really did it, it got hold of me, and. Um, yeah, Hong Kong was probably, you know, the best thing I ever did. I, I was lucky enough to um, get in touch with Zach Burton about six years ago and um, he had a guy over there that was looking for someone and I, I applied and I was lucky enough to get the opportunity and it's the best thing I ever did. I, I look back on it now and, it, um, you know, Taylor and I were, you know, young in our relationship and stuff like that. We moved over there in the big bright lights of Hong Kong and had no idea what to expect, but... 
um, yeah, as I said, I learnt so much. I built up some incredible contacts, and um, those contacts are still people who now have supported me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity that Hong Kong gave me. It's important to get a horse like Deepaw because it's it's good to win anywhere, but it's good to win on Saturday. In, you know, the bright lights on a Saturday afternoon because your name's seen and people get to know who you are. Yeah, um, I sort of I'm pretty hard on myself. I, I set myself goals and. I sort of wanted to tick that um, box, you know, a little bit earlier. I thought I had the right horses, like in Lord Markland. He's had those couple of setbacks. It's been pretty disappointing to, you know, one day he stepped on a nail and another time he had the temperature and you think you got him right. But everything yesterday, I've, you know, it wasn't about being cocky. I just, I know how good this horse is and I thought it's his day and I, I really wanted to, yeah, I really wanted to get it done yesterday and it was just good to get it done for... Such great people, and also early on, uh, he's he's come over here. I didn't know him from a bar of soap, mm. but Corey Brown, obviously, who I'm close with, and gave him a you know glowing report. And uh, he's that he, he's a he's a he's a great guy, and I think a lot of jockeys, you know, not just in Australia around the world, could learn a lot from him. He's he's got a great great outlook on life. He works hard, and um, you know, he's sort of what you see is what you get sort of guy. He's still on a nice mark, this horse, rating-wise. He was a 67 rated before yesterday, so he probably goes to, to low 70s. Uh, you plan to keep racing him this campaign? Uh, yes, possibly. He's pulled up great, licked the bin overnight. Uh, he had a pick in a, on the spa this morning. and um, He's got a great attitude, as in you can, you know, geez, you could take the lead off him and he'd walk next to you the whole way. Like He's mm. just so relaxed. Um, he wasn't like that last preparation. He turned into a bit of a big ball and, I think he was just sour and everything. He probably just I tipped him out for two weeks and put him on the water walk, and I think it was probably the best thing we did for him. Um, he's come back this prep. He's a lot happier. He, you know, yeah, he goes to the 70 now, um, 75, 12 in three weeks' time. Um, I like just keeping his space, him run spaced, um, keeping him fresh. He's a horse that probably looks like he could get a mile, but I probably would never do that. I just want to keep him between the 1,000 and the 1,200 and, you know, if he goes there in a few weeks' time and does what he done yesterday, um, I've uh, got a few bigger uh, assignments for him later on. Um, so we'll just see how he goes in a few weeks. If not, we'll tip him out next week. Good day and a great job yesterday. Great, well, well done. Thanks for being with us this morning. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Adam Campton joining us. Let's push on. We're running out of time. We'll go to the first race yesterday. The two-year-old Rupert's House, a winning Rupert gilding. For Archer Park was the favourite. 400 left to run a bit short of that now. Rupert's house is in front. He's used plenty of petrol, but he's the leader. From Mashani Metallic and 10 gun ready. They're followed then by Sierra Red running on from the back with Top Father. But Rupert's house down below the 200. He's got a fair break. 100 left to run now. He's in front, holding his rivals at bay. They're lining up for the miners. But Rupert's house, that's the right place to live in. Wins on debut for Archer Park. Beto Mashigaru, best of the rest. Photo third, either Sierra Red or Top Fund, rather, or Mashani Metallic. Not far away, 10-gun ready, and then Sierra Red, followed by approval on the last pair over the line, Queen's Arms, and also Cyber Wars in 1492. It was a $180,000 Magic Millions purchase. Michael Costa had this horse. Of course, he went to Dubai. Bjorn Baker ended up with it. Uh, he sent him north for this race. He's a cutest horse, so 
the Archer Park team have uh, had a great result, earning good money for their owners. Yeah, I spoke to them, I think, on Thursday, and they didn't know where they were going to run in this race uh, just because of the barrier. They were a bit concerned about that. Mm. Ended up uh, rolling the dice and was just too good. Wouldn't have, you know, like, did a power of work, didn't he? Um, and James Orman just kept pushing across, pushing across, pushing across, eventually found the lead. I suspect he didn't beat much, um, but it was a good debut. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, time, overall, nothing brilliant. Opposition, questionable. Uh, I get all that. But what I liked about this horse was he presented well in the yard. He did a lot of work. There was always going to be on the cards. There was always that use and speed there. That was It was there on paper. And I think that's the reason that the bookies gamble with him to a certain degree. But he was able to burn the candle at both ends. So more than likely now, if he pulls up well and everything goes okay, he'll go to that cutest duel on the 18th of March at Dooman in five weeks' time. So uh, congratulations to our Archer Park friends. Of course, they present past the post. That was a, a good result. Don't forget the website, archerparkracing.com.au. We've uh, come to an end. Ben, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you, David. Uh, all the best for the week ahead. Ben Dorries joining us. He'll be with me on Press Room tomorrow morning. Hope you can join me then. Until then, have a good day. Bye-bye. Downtowns, the beautiful game, Australia's biggest game, our other biggest game, a bit of this, this, oh, come on, ref, and this. For racing and sport on tap, download the Tab app. Gamble responsibly. Gambler's help, 1-800-858-858. Today's Racing, brought to you by Tab. For racing on tap, download the Tab app. Gamble responsibly. Call Gamblers Help 1-800-858-858. Introducing the striking Kia range. Crafted with sleek and distinctive cues. The new Kia range is the cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. This is Kia. Here, movement that inspires. Country racing at its finest on show at the Mudgee Race Club Sunday the 19th of February with the New Haven Park Country Championships. An exciting race program, fashions on the field with fabulous prizes and country hospitality like no other. With the NRL Charity Shield football match on the Saturday and the country championships on the Sunday, this is the perfect weekend in Mudgee for lovers of sport, racing and a great time. Tickets available now, 123ticks.com.au. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the National Racing Service. And being a Sunday, they are racing at the Sunshine Coast. Eight races on the card are good for. Weather is fine. It's probably an understatement. I don't know how long Joyce has been up there uh, on...